welcome to Unfortunately Required Reading. Today, we are covering Grendel, or Furry Mr. Nihilism. Ah, yes. Uh, the book that I think I've been excited to cover since we started this whole endeavor. And John Gardner totally narrates our teenage lives. Oh, abs- 100%. Completely, yes. So, what are we drinking today? Today, we are drinking uh, Moonlight Meadery's Fury Mead, which is a honey wine with uh, peppers added to it to make it hurt. Um, if you all remember last episode, we uh, enjoyed mead quite a bit. Yes, I believe the quote was, we were sounding pretty lush around minute 38. I believe so, yes. So yes. we're hoping that the peppers will uh, temper our enjoyment. That and our side beverages. Yes. Oh, and the cheese plate. What's on our cheese plate today? Today on the cheese plate, we have water crackers because uh, it doesn't match the flavor of cheese and an applewood smoked Gouda. All right. I'm pouring on, on the mic today. Yes. Oh, me first. I feel very fancy. Ooh, that's a good pour. That's good. I don't know if I'm making you the sacrificial lamb or what. Hmm. Yeah, I would say sacrificial virgin, but that would be a lie. Wait, what? All right. <laughs> Let's see. Oh. Oh, she hot. That's That's odd. That is odd. I mean, it's not bad. It's no. just. I won. I described Mead Leshley last time like a soft kiss from a from a lover. This is like your lover wrapped a rock in a pantyhose and then hit you with it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, I. I'm wondering if I gave you more peppers than normal. <laughs> are they? Are they in the bottle? Um. Yeah, they're at the bottom. Well. I, think. I mean. It's definitely not bad. Is it bad that all I can hear is Johnny Cash going, I hurt myself. Well, no, I'm sad for multiple reasons. Oh, no. Shall we continue? Well, the reason we chose this one was because um, nothing says angst quite like uh, spicy honey wine. And, and we like being pretentious when we're at Total Wine. Oh, absolutely. We're 100% those two people just walking around and like, Old Navy clothes demanding mead from a mainstream liquor store. The best part is when we accidentally say something a little too loud, and the lady at the who's putting bottles away starts laughing and then has to steady herself. Oh, right. I did do that. I'm sorry for embarrassing us in public. Oh, no, no, no. There was no embarrassment. It was just funny. So, what is the not-so-short synopsis of actually quite a slender little little thing? Yeah, I, it's a very, very small book, so evidently I can't talk too much on it. No. That, that, when has that ever... How big is Gatsby? Okay, fair Thank point. You. Well, I don't actually want to know how big Gatsby is. I wasn't going to tell you the exact page number. So, there are... <laughs> I wrote two short synopsises. This is the one, just so you know. This is the short and sweet version of Grendel's take on the events of Beowulf. Mm-hmm. So, just in case your teacher asks you what this book was about. Now, if you want the full breakdown... Grendel has been fighting Hrothgar's guys for, like, 12 years. And after wrecking their mead hall, he starts thinking about when he was a kid and decided to go up to the surface for the first time because he was tired of hanging out with his mom. And when he was little, he got caught in a tree and tried to talk to human beings, but they were so freaked out that his mom had to come rescue him. So, at this point in time, Grendel hears a blind singer telling beautiful tales about the Danes, and he wants to believe that the stories are true, even though he's met them and they're dicks. So he goes into the hall, and the Danes freak out. He runs away and ends up having a conversation with his dragon friend, and his dragon friend tells him the world is a pointless void 
and that human comes humans come up with random crap to fill that void, which is straight up your friend in high school who's reading Nietzsche. 100%. Beowulf shows up with his clan and starts talking serious smack. So Gretel says, yeah, I'm going to go back and check this meat hall out again. He fights with Beowulf, rip, and Beowulf rips his arm off. He goes into the night, says he has an accident, and wishes accidents upon everyone. Because Grendel is way too smart for his own good, and frustrated because he can't talk about his ideas with anybody, and all the humans think they're stupor, super stupid, and he thinks they're stupid, and this is just us in high school. A hundred percent. I think I've gone on record saying this might be one of my favorite books, and I can understand why. This is a hundred percent just how I felt in high school, surrounded by people who didn't understand me, by family that wished to hold me back, and uh, screaming into the unfeeling void whilst wearing all black and saying profanities. So I was the pretentious high schooler that had the journal that had Children of the Night, What Sweet Music They Make from Dracula written on it. Of course you did. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> listening to Grendel go into whole speeches about the pointlessness of humanity and, and the Shaper wanting to give him an idealized world, like, whole guacamole there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. It's one of those books that when you're in high school and, you know, in college and you're taking philosophy, you just kind of, like, take passages out of mm -hmm. and write it on your notebook and feel like you're super deep. Yeah, I still have my original copy from high school, and I still have all those passages underlined, and it's like, wow, I wish someone had listened to me. I know, you kind of wish that somebody had just leaned down and been like, you okay, bro? So, fun story, uh, my friend Amber and I, we used to work together when I, we were in college, and uh, there was one night that she was leaving as I was coming in, and she asked, what are you listening to? And I said, I'm listening to Hurt by Johnny Cash. Oh my god. And she put her hand on my shoulder and is like, are you okay? Do you need to talk? <laughs> See, my husband and I just play that song when we overeat at a restaurant now, so... But, uh... <laughs> But the whole idea that she saw that as an open, hey, maybe my little angst prince is going through a thing if this is what they're listening to. See, and in my mind, I'm like, if it's not the Nine Inch Nails version, they're probably not dying. Yeah, I, I don't think I listen to that version anymore. Okay, so I read somewhere that Trent Reznor is going to be introducing The Cure into the Hall of Fame for the Music Hall of Fame. And I got to tell you right now, this is what every goth kid from the early 90s has been waiting for our whole lives. Don't speak for me. I don't want this. Okay. I want this. That's like, don't speak for the vampire faction. I don't want this. As representative of the vampires, I did not ask for this. So the vote is not for. <laughs> the vote is not for. My people were not consulted. <laughs> I think we've talked about our vampire names on this show before. We have discussed our vampire <laughs> names on this show before. And then you're like, suddenly in your 30s and you're at the industrial club and you're like, I'm old now. Or you get invited to a Vampire the Masquerade meetup in Austin because Austin is the cult, the current nucleus of Vampire the Masquerade. Really? Yes. I had no idea. I'm not surprised in the least. I mean, that's a, that's a much shorter drive than going to New Orleans, so. So New Orleans has all the Anne Rice wannabe vampires, but Austin has Vampire the Masquerade. Okay, I went on an Anne Rice pilgrimage when I was 16. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Hi there, Anne Rice. I'm mad about you taking down my fanfiction all those years ago. I haven't forgotten. He's a sweet old lady who lives in Palm Springs now. Who should stop implying homosexuality into her work and then getting angry when people comment on said homosexuality. Okay, that's fair. Thank you. Her son is adorable. I love him. So, Grendel, 
Okay, first of all, Christopher is not a horrible creature of the dark. He's fabulous. <laughs> he writes really well. Anyway. <laughs> so this book is also kind of like an overdramatic episode of The Good Place. I've never watched The Good Place. <gasps> oh my goodness. It makes me really happy. I like Cheaty because I feel like he truly understands my level of anxiety. Okay. Yeah. I've heard good things. It's good. It's really good. Pretty funny, too. I've heard. So, Christopher's best. Reach out to me. Yes, uh, give me a convincing argument to watch The Good Place, because I do need something to act as a balm for how angry I am over Sherlock. Oh, did you finish it? I finished series four. I'm, I'm so sorry. I am also sorry. I'm sorry. It, for me, it's almost worth it for that part with Moriarty dancing yeah, would... to I Want to Break Free by Queen. No, but, no. But not... No. It, it doesn't fix it. it, it no, it, it doesn't It doesn't fix... That could be a whole other podcast. It can be. <laughs> Are we doing Arthur Conan Doyle at any point in time? I feel like we're contractually obligated. I feel like we just throw out these books that we're going to like, hey, we're going to do this. And then we're like, just kidding, we're doing this book instead this week. I mean, we do have to at least do this for one year. We have to fill out a year. Oh, that's not hard. I know. Have you seen my Goodreads? I've seen List. it. I've seen it. Got time. It's impressive. Insane. So, how do we feel about our furry forest dwelling son? Who <sighs> was really just our id. Yeah, he does feel like the id. I kind of just want to, like, introduce him to the band The Birthday Massacre and just tell him it's going to be okay. I kind of want to, uh, I kind of want to let him listen to, like, Mindless Self-Indulgence and, like, give him, like, a live journal account. <gasps> do, do you ever use melodramatic.com? Mellow no. Journal. Oh my gosh. I don't think it exists anymore. If it does, let me know. But like, used to go on there and it was just like everybody was overdramatic. So like my old Zanga? Yeah. Oh my god. Yes, I just said Zanga. Now you all know how old I am. So I'm sitting here going, when Facebook went down the other day, it was great because all these people were like, did you know MySpace is up still? And I'm like, oh god, please don't ever find my MySpace. I tried to angst once on MySpace, and I forgot that uh, my uncle was my friend on MySpace. He did not respond well to me uh, using My Chemical Romance lyrics to describe my dating life. Oh, dear. There is nothing that kills a uh, melodramatic fury like having family say you don't have real problems. <laughs> I just have this image of you. Like, what were you saying? Were you saying that your dating life was like the Black Parade? Like... No, like, I used, I think I, like, quoted Helena or something. Okay. I will admit that I don't really know My Chemical Romance or really anything about it. Um, all I know is that he did, like, The Umbrella Academy? Jared Way did write a lot of it. It's his okay. original idea. I am, I think I've been, I don't think I've ever been more offended in this I'm moment. I'm sorry. I just, I don't really know. Was it an age thing? Because, like, I think. I think so. Okay. Well, it's like, I get, I get crap from my friends all the time because I didn't listen to New Kids on the Block, but I was, like, a year behind them, so. Okay, so then in that case, you're just a couple years ahead of me. Yes. Okay, so it's an age. I understand now. I'm less angry now. Yeah, I was into Nine Inch Nails and Stabbing Westward and Garbage and. Yeah, so for me, it was, like, Mindless Self-Indulgence, My Chemical Romance, uh, Blink-182 when they went emo. Oh, yeah. Green Day when they went emo. Oh, yeah. Ugh. we still have that thing when September's over and my husband likes to yell. When they September wake up ends? To, so we wake back up from Green Day and I'm like, no. Every year he gets a million tweets. Every year. Like One of them is from me. I'm Amanda. kidding. I, don't, I, have, I have too much time. Amanda. 
All right. Is so there really a band called Grendel? There is a band called Grendel. What I do they play? I don't know. I didn't actually listen to it. I just kind of went, huh? There's a band? Because I was trying to find more information about the book. Mm-hmm. So there's symbols. Of course there are symbols. It's John Gardner. There's always symbols. Mm-hmm. So the bull that keeps attacking Grendel over and over and over, its unthinking action showing the ineffectiveness of the constant repetition, the brute, dirty violence that is uncalculated. Well, someone saw Guernica. Pretty much. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Do I have to explain that reference? Yeah, you're going to want to explain Guernica. Oh, God damn it. So Guernica... <laughs> Guernica is a Pablo Picasso painting. They say it's one of the most um, important anti-war pieces of propaganda. Um, and it's like a stampede. There's bulls and horses and trampling people. And it's really, really like intense and expressive. I can understand it being anti-war propaganda. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's what you think of when you think of Picasso, though. Mm-hmm. I think we had a copy of it in like one of my classrooms when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, so I'm going to tell you right now, that bull is not a Slytherin. No. <laughs> that, that bull's a Gryffindor. So there's also a corpse, and it's the corpse that Grendel discovers the first time he goes into the meat hall. It's supposed to represent the brutal lives of the, the Danes. Or not, is it the, yeah, the Danes, because yes. I can't, I think it's scalding. Scalding? I should know this after the last book. I feel like yes. Yeah. And even though the Shaper goes on and on and talks about how amazing the Danes are and how great they are and how Grendel is descended from Cain and so therefore he's a shit show, like, Grendel really just wants to believe that things are good, but he's seen this corpse. He's seen these people. He knows it's all a lie. Yeah. You almost feel for Grendel in a way that you feel like you shouldn't, which we'll touch on when we get into themes later, but... You you feel bad for him, but also only so much. Is this kind of like Phantom of the Opera, where you're oh, like, oh, absolutely. You're like, okay, I know people were mean to you, but you are a psycho dick. No, dude. this is full Phantom of the Opera, Beauty and the Beast, a hundred percent, completely. That yes, you have been unfairly maligned by your beastly actions, but it is also somewhat deserved. I mean, Eric is terrible in Phantom of the Opera. Can we just? Go ahead and say that. So I absolutely adore that book, but I adore it because the book at least is like, okay, she's way under this guy's spell, but she also realizes that he's a bad call and that he's super dangerous. Unlike the musical, which I also love for different reasons. Yes. Um, where it's like, oh well he's this he's this sweet, caring individual. If only they had been kind to him. Well, you know who caused all that? Eric. Lord Andy. Andrew Lloyd Webber is the one that rewrote it to fit that. I was like, who the hell is Lord Andy? I was Thank like, you, Lindsay Ellis, for making sure that I never referred to him as anything but Lord Andy. Is this one of those things where he's like, I just want my really young, beautiful Sarah Brightman wife to love me? That's literally why he redid it. Oh, Lord. D- think about it. Think about all the things that he did to readapt Phantom and think about his life. So it's like- him. So we're going to have to cover Gaston Leroux at some point in time. We have no choice. We have no choice. But um, it's completely that. It's, it's very that. It's This is Phantom of the Opera, but from more of Eric's point of view. And Raoul isn't there. I mean, like, we we see a lot of this right now, too. It's, I'm trying not to go super political. and um, 
did spicy need make us political? I think it, it may, but with what we're seeing going on in New Zealand right now, it's a white guy who thinks he's been completely victimized. Yes. So he goes after a different group of people. Yes. Anyway, it hurts too much right well, now. Well, and, so. and done so because he was not given any opportunity to face criticism for his actions. Uh, Grindel was in an echo chamber, as was this uh, garbage individual who did what he did in New Zealand, which I also don't want to talk about, but feel like we need to. Um, that's one of the things that I will say I think is a bit of a neg for this book for me now, is that it makes it too easy to wallow in darkness, and I'll, I'll jump the shark a little bit. Rereading this book brought me to a place where I felt exactly the same that I did in high school. Just the same sadness, the same melodrama, the same woe is me, and I've aired some of my trauma on this podcast. I won't air all of it because we don't have time, but uh, I, not that my feelings aren't deserved or not that anyone's feelings aren't deserved, but there's definitely better things that you can do with your feelings than to scream wildly into the void. And the problem is, especially with things like social media, and we're not saying that all social media is the devil, but you end up in an echo chamber a lot of times. Oh, absolutely. Um, especially when we had you know, the issues with the election, and just recent, there's, there's so much hate that goes back and back and back and back. And I mean, it's, it's very little of, let's look at this perspective and let's research this and let's see why you feel like this. It's more, yeah, no, you should go after these people and do this, which is kind of insane when you think about it. Oh, absolutely. And even to make it a little bit less political, uh, because it's drinking spicy mead, uh, we don't want to get too saucy. Uh, just thinking about like internet culture, like goth and emo culture. I know like when I started posting like my emo poetry and like romanticizing self harm and like, talking about death like it was some sweet relief no one said hey friend maybe go get some sunlight and talk to a therapist they encouraged it they said hey that sounds great we should all do that and like whoa that's bad stop it and it's kind of scary because you're seeing it younger and younger and younger now right and again with people that really could benefit from just being listened to but then challenged lovingly I mean, I was very lucky because I had my mom who was like, all right, friends, time to go sit on somebody's couch and, and spill your guts because Absolutely. this is this is not funny. And I mean, we have a family history of depression and anxiety right. and things like that. So a lot of times when you have somebody listen to you and not just give you the nihilist feedback of a dragon. Right. An asshole a dragon. Better. An asshole dragon. I mean, the dragon is such a dick. But he's not wrong, which is what makes it so terrible. It's kind of like when you're younger and you have that really bitter older friend and you think you're badass because your older friend is, like, hanging out with you. Or in my case, it was a trench coat wearing goth guy. There you go. But, you know, everything is a lie. Life is not worth living. And oh, yeah. Like, you, you've all been red-pilled. You've all been red-pilled. And then you just kind of get, like, into it and you're like, yeah, everything's terrible. And when you are, when you already are predisposed to being a you know, neuroatypical, and people are giving you that feedback that it's okay to be sad, to wallow. It's really dangerous rhetoric. Um, there was a book that I read a while ago that was a Reviving Ophelia, and it was all about the fact that um, in literature, especially young women are 
practically encouraged to commit suicide. It's the most romantic and daring and beautiful thing you can do is to drown yourself. Which is crazy because we've already got enough. We have so much. Right? There's so there's so much. <sighs> I I, I didn't think that this would be the one where we get emotional and political, but uh, I blame the disappointment of Spice Feed. It's I really wanted to like this. I just got to the spice level. I'm like, whoa. Oh, there it is. Eat the cheese. Maybe the cheese will help. The it cheese did. does help. It does help. Well, it helped me get more flavor. The cheese is delicious. <sighs> Eating it off mic. So we are disgusting. But we are a little disgusting because we're human beings. Thanks, Grendel. Are we descended from Grendel? I mean, that's kind of your whole belief. I don't believe that we're supposed to be considered to be descended from Cain, but... Well, I'm black, so technically I am. Oh. Uh... Ah, I'm a descendant of Grendel! That explains everything! I feel like... I feel like I'm gonna go corner now. <laughs> Just wait till next month. So this is the part where I admit that I listen to the classics of Coast to Coast. Yeah, oh. Which they play at, like, one of the morning Eastern time yes. with George Norrie. And I was listening to this whole thing about the cult of St. Columba, how supposedly there was somebody within the Catholic Church that was trying to support and save women who were being accused of being witches. And now I need to find stuff on it. Yeah. So I'm, like, fascinated by it. I mean, that sounds great. We should do that. Uh, please let us know if you'd like for us to live our dream and have a cryptozoology podcast. Yes. Please let me know. Um, speaking of, though, before we jump headfirst into the next symbol, we describe Grindel as quite furry. The book does. Mm-hmm. I think this suggests what creature he is. I think he might be a Bigfoot. I think he might be a Bigfoot! I think he's an adorable little Bigfoot. Do you think he's like the ones in Smallfoot that just came out? I, the little baby yetis? I, I don't have- The baby yeti! I, I don't have children, so I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I have not seen that film. I we have a kids movie. I've seen a lot of kids movies, but I also watch them on my own. You know, it's very therapeutic when you're a thirty-something and you're depressed as heck, and you come home. Have and your you not? Goes, let's watch Frozen, and you go, okay, baby, but I'm gonna sing every song, and he just knows that he needs to walk out of the room at some point in time, and that's how you don't get divorced. Have you not heard me go on how much I love the Octonaut? Oh, the Octonauts are the best. I love the Octonauts. I love them. Professor Inkling, like, <laughs> is the greatest thing on Earth, and he's so pure and so nice. I like the Scottish one. You! <laughs> You'd find the one! The one character! I. Also, let us know if we should, if I should go back and purchase that Irish bite me cheese. That Tori okay. is going to post on Instagram. So Amanda sends me a text today of this orange, yellow, and green cheese that's out because the day we release this, I think it's going to be right before St. Patrick's Day. It will be, yes. Because, you know, we we tend to record and then I put it up immediately because I have no chill. Tori's great. I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, I'm insane. Um, but it was, it was a great text exchange, so I may have to put that there, too. I think you're going to have to. I, oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> But basically, we were talking about, she wrote, look at this handsome cheese. I wrote, that's some Erin Gobra sexiness. I got back, I've never had a cheese challenge me to a fight, but this one did, and I lost. I wrote, did it then compliment you on your choices in alcohol? And I got back, yes, it did. 
So I might have to, we might have to go back and get that Irish spiky cheese. What you all don't know is that the reason I'm going on and on is trying to prevent myself from having to read Fifty Shades of Grey for y'all. I mean, I also have to read Grey. I think one of us has the worst job. So, as far as themes, art as a lie. Yep. The painter is here to deceive you. He wishes to cover over how horrible reality is with art. Doesn't that sound like some communist bullshit? That sounds like we're going back to uh, 1984. Oh, God, no. There's also the power of storytelling, which kind of ties into art as a lie. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Sometimes the dragon tells you great stories. That aren't necessarily the whole story. Um, the pain of isolation, which we've talked a little bit about already. But I think we've talked a lot echo about chamber, The pointlessness of life. So I think one of the saddest things about Grindel is that he is constantly feeling like he has to butt against just how crazy and dumb life is, which we skipped over one, which is uh, the goat and a ram, respectively. Mm, yes. Uh, so these are two creatures that Grindel meets and talks to and complains about. And one thing that he always mentions is that they're so dumb and they don't understand what they're doing. And that they have this weird uh, animistic desire to live. But it's dumb. They shouldn't. Like, why? Just accept death. Stupid. But no, they're dumb, so they live. But it's interesting because Grendel has that same animism about him, too. He does. So he's not human, as in he can really contemplate on mortality or anything like that. But he's also, is he, would would he be immortal if Beowulf had messed things up? Do we know how old his mom is? Uh, evidently his mom was older than, like, the beginning of time. He probably hung out with Cain. Hung out with? Gross. I mean, that's what the thing says. I used air quotes. I realize that you all can't see me, but I used air quotes. We were joking earlier that we need to get a camera just because we always say, okay, well, we have to start the camera. We're going to do this on camera. And then we're like, there's there's no camera. There's no camera here. I mean, that's good because I've got no makeup on. I do have a Paracon, Milwaukee Paracon shirt from 2016. And I know that they're trying to earn money because they're awesome. but Because it's Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Shit, man. I've never been. I've never been either. I'm, oh. I'm slightly afraid of it because... There are a lot of serial killers. I was like, isn't that like serial killer? Like, like that's just it. They they make Chicago nervous sometimes. Amen. Okay, so there's also the theme of pity for the monster, which we see a lot more in literature today than we did in like the Victorian era and stuff like that. And I think it's amazing because I think you start to see pity for the monster as this like rise of the outsider kind of thing. So I know, being an edgelord. Being an edgelord, I oftentimes relate to the monster more than I relate to the prince, to the knight, to the, you know, anything. To bring it back to Phantom, because we both love us some Phantom, I never related to Raul. He never made sense to me. He was a dumb jock who was going after his dumb, hot girlfriend. But I related to Eric, sweet and sensitive and kind and so talented. And if only people could see past his ugliness, he was really the most beautiful one. I grew up with the musical. I didn't grow up reading it. So I look at you, I'm like, which one are we talking about? Because I'm pretty sure... Like, ma'am, that was not in any of the books. I'm like, I have some concerns. <laughs> no, I mean, I... Or honestly, the most popular version of Phantom is Beauty and the Beast. 
I know they're two separate things, but a lot of people compare them. And it's one of those things that's like, you teach them to read and suddenly they're nice? What? At the same time, though, I will say, I think Gaston is unfairly maligned. Gaston had some very rational concerns about the monster in the castle. I'm just saying, she probably would have gotten her head chopped off during the French Revolution because she's married to a prince now, but... Yeah, I mean, do we really know when this is happening? No. Because, I mean, women being allowed to read wasn't a big deal in France. In fact, the original Beauty and the Beast was published by a woman. In a magazine for women. Because it was all about what to do when you get married to a guy that you might hate. You know that that's, like, what a lot of the fairy tales are? Oh, yeah, it's all about, like, being patient towards, like, the guy that you might hate. Yeah, a lot of them are just warning stories. Yeah, 100%. And, like, the real story, Beauty and the Beast, uh, involves Catherine de' Medici and is terrifying. No friends. Do we need to tell? Not friends. Do we need to tell that one? Tell them. So, um, in France, in the woods, uh, a noble found a hairy individual. That individual is caged and brought towards the court. You know, like you do. As, as you do. C- Cajun people is pretty, you know, common in this era. Cajun, not Cajun. Yeah. <laughs> France. Um, so, of course, the, the court asks the hairy creature, Hello, what is your name? And the creature speaks. And he says... My name is Pedro Gonzalez. So, okay. Normal person's like, alright. This is a guy. This is a guy. He's a Spanish guy, but he's a guy. Uh, the French court's like, that's a monster. And even though it just spoke to us, it doesn't actually know words. So we're gonna rename it Petrus Gonzalves because Latin. And then Catherine de' Medici gets involved, keeps this guy as a pet. Uh, teaches him, though, gives him the book learning, and then decides, I want monster children. Not me, but I want monster children as pets. And then Catherine de' Medici marries Petrus off with, like, one of her ladies-in-waiting and, like, sits, like, in a bush waiting for them to have sex <laughs> so they can have monster children. It sounds like something that you would see on, like, Pornhub. It's terrifying. Uh... They eventually do. They get married, and they actually, uh, they do come to love each other as a pair. Because uh, he really just has hypertrichosis. He's just a fuzzy man. Just a normal dude who's fuzzy. Fine. I mean, that's like 90% of Scotland. That's offensive to my future Scottish husband. No, it's not. It isn't? No. All right, well. Let me let me tell you about my, my furry Scottish friends. I mean, they don't have the face hair. I mean this as a compliment. I, I like body hair. I'm going to be quiet now and sink back in. And I haven't even had that much to drink, friend. Uh, is Have we reverted back to port? No. Are we back at port? No. I don't know that we'll ever go back to port. I kind of like port. I mean, there's still more in a bottle downstairs if you want it. But yeah, that's Petrus Gonzalez, uh, who we all pretty much now know is the inspiration to Beauty and the Beast. Uh, he died with his wife, or he died before his wife. Uh, his children were taken away, actually. Because Catherine de' Medici ruins everything. Yes. That. <laughs> like she can hear us? <laughs> like she's outside? She's down in hell shaking her fist at me like, F you too. Uh, but we do get pity for the monster in a lot of narratives because I think it's easier to pity the monster. You can ascribe more things to the monster. 
the prince has to be good and godly and fair and all those things. But the monster, he can be licentious and crude and crass and animalistic, but also desirable and interesting. Get all the best lines of the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, anime has a huge problem with that, which is why I have such a hard-on for anime villains. Because, I mean, like, they're right. They're just doing it wrong, but they're right. Or, like, movies also have a, that huge problem where... um. I wrote a really long post about uh, eugenics and um, just, like, really sketchy dialogue used in movies for villains. Oh, no. And it's like, uh, I'll use Kingsman as an example with Valentine. Like, eh, that's, uh, that's a lot of eugenics-y talk. But uh, you're charismatic, so I'll let you do it. I mean, that's 90% of what it is. I mean, Loki in the freaking Avengers movie uses a pretty offensive word. For the UK, US audiences are just like, but he's so pretty. Can he you have tea with me? He used Quim. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And he got away with it because American censors don't know what that word means. I, I mean, I don't have a hard on for Loki like everyone else does. I mean, I think Tom Hiddleston's a pretty man, but. I think he needs to be met with a hairbrush and some dry shampoo. Just imagine you, that's your superpower. <laughs> You're like attacking villains and like, no, let me fix you. That is 100% my superpower. Just imagine. I'm so excited about this now. Like, <laughs> I want to like design your tool belt. Oh my God. It's like a, it's a bunch of like dry hairspray, like dry, dry shampoo, hairspray, like good brushes. All my brushes are good. I go to, <laughs> I go to the beauty outlet. But, um, do, do you pity Grindle? No. Oh. I was mostly just irritated by him. Really? Yep. I wanted him to be quiet. Oh, no! I was like... Oh, no! I was like, listen, here's a journal. Write down your thoughts. I felt so bad for him. I was just like, listen, I was a smart kid that nobody understood in high school, too. You'll and I turned out it. fine. I mean, yeah. You did? I didn't go to... Never been to jail. Is that the metric? I mean, like, I don't do white people Pez, which is what we call um, opiates in my family. Not that I'm villainizing people who have disorders. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm proud of you. I'm just saying that's a very low bar to jump over for success. Let me tell you about the bars. I'm just... I anyway. Mean, <laughs> I was just concerned about the bar. So, some fun facts about John Gardner and Grendel. Yeah. This book was written in 1971. Obviously. Gardner's mom was an English teacher. His dad was a lay preacher. Gardner's brother died in a farming accident, and John was driving the machine. So, this led to a lot of trauma and PTSD and panic attacks. Um, he was really big into tales and legends, both Wonder in why. translation and putting his own versions together. Yes. Gorbadal did not like John Gardner and called his works sanctimonious and pedantic. Which, like, that's that's pretty cruel, man. That is really cruel. That's like hitting a fellow author with a mean stick. Yeah. Uh, John Gardner died in a motorcycle crash in 1982, and he was buried next to his brother. Can we can we send him a postcard? I mean, we can. We still need to send a Fitzgerald one. Yes. Readers, hold us to task. We we cannot. When is his birthday? We should send him a postcard on his birthday. Happy birthday to you. Your monster's not in a zoo. Um, can, can we can we send Fitzgerald a birthday card from Ernest Hemingway? 
that's fucking mean, dude. <laughs> It'll just be like, you're a bitch in life and you're a bitch in death. Fight me! <laughs> With love, Ernest, anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking about how much of an asshole Ernest Hemingway was. Again, <laughs> my apologies to Marco anyway. Does she listen? No, thank God. Praise be. I really don't want to get sued. Um. Is that is that the thing? I mean, that's the bar, because, like, I can't afford an attorney. I don't know about you. I, I love that you think I have attorney money, ma'am. <laughs> we have cheese money. That's about the extent of our riches. Amen. Woohoo! Okay, so does this book do anything for us now? And did we have to read it in school? I had to read it in school. I read it after Beowulf and had a much better time because Beowulf was boring. Uh, it... <laughs> Insult your child, did I? did I? Did I just give you the look of you I did. I'm gonna go get my mead horn and we're gonna have a bitch fight? That was a hundred percent it. Goodness. It was like all the looks of all the stern, vaguely Scottish parents in like animated movies. So this is the part where I should tell you that I forget when I wear regular glasses that people can see my eyes, unlike sunglasses where they can't. I saw your eyes. I saw the Fury of the Isles. It was like that whole part with uh Kill Bill with a Yeah, that was pretty much what I just got. Um, this book did a lot for me in high school. When essentially Grindel was just giving form to my feelings. As a near 30-something, though, uh, I just feel sad. And I don't like that it brought me back to, like, that level of darkness. I mean, I'm okay. Outside of the small poisoning, I'm okay. I feel like, yeah, tell them about how you, <laughs> you almost poisoned yourself by accident, friend. So I have food allergies, and um, I purchased a coffee creamer whose primary ingredient has been something I'm allergic to. And I've been wondering why I haven't been feeling very well. Apparently I've been poisoning myself. I mean, it could be worse. We could be drinking out of lead cups and thinking we're Caligula. So the Romans had a very complicated relationship with lead, uh, including a wine sweetener called defrutum, which had to be cooked in a lead pot because Romans ate lead like candy. I mean, I didn't eat paint chips as a kid, but I know that some people did. Yeah, I mean, but I, so the lead problem in America actually might be one of the reasons why, like, it might be one of the reasons why, like, black youths are so messed up, is from eating lead. I'm sorry, what? So lead does something to the brain. Uh, It actually does a lot to a brain. And a lot of uh, paint with lead is mostly in lower income housing. Which in the U.S. mostly goes to, oh Lord, yeah, it's 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 systemic racism that has caused the problems. But also, um, lead used to be in gasoline, and when they stopped removing, when they started removing lead from gasoline, there was a dip in violent crime. People's IQs went up. People lived longer, healthier lives. Like lead is a problem, and actually, the guy who started to unlead gasoline knew that. But then the companies wanted to keep lead in gasoline because it was uh, more cost effective, and he went to his grave knowing that like the government was perpetuating a negative thing for money. Uh, yeah, so uh, lead <coughs> might be kind of the reason why, uh, like, crime is really centralized in inner-city areas. Interesting. Did I just, like, drop too much of a truth bomb? That's really interesting. Yeah, it, it's lead. A lot of it's lead. Just read a book called The Dissolving Spoon. 
that was about the periodic table and the different elements. <gasps> that book's on my wish list. It's so good, dude. You can get it at the San Antonio Public Library. Oh, lovely. And they have the audio version, too. Woo! By the way, shout out again to San Antonio Public Library, because you saved me and should, my you, wallet. You should give us a call. Give us a call. We'll do an event. We'll try not to swear. I make no promises. <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm dying as usual. Oh, no. So... Did you have to read it in high school? I did not have to read it in high school. I actually read it for the first time for this podcast. Which might be why you found Grindel to be so insufferable. Yes. Yes. I, I think a lot of it, too, is it just seemed very familiar to when I was 16. Yeah. So, because I've, I've gone back and read some of my journals since then and been like, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Calm down. It's just an algebra test. It's just a boy. Stop it. There's literally like a thousand of them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I uh I recently got to discover my old Zanga. I kind of want to put a link up. To no, you do not, <laughs> ma'am. I don't even know if I have a live journal up anymore. Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm dying. Okay, I could, I could give you my old um my old Quizilla with all my bad Draco Harry fanfic before J.K. Rowling took those down too. So uh, this is two on the list that approach you. I'm very pissed. Anne Rice and J.K. Rowling. I've huh? been hit by both. So recently, Not physically. <laughs> I realized how that sounded. My brain just went, I hurt myself. <laughs> I'm just imagining getting slapped in the face by Anne Rice. That actually sounds kind of pleasant. Interview with a vampire. <laughs> oh, that, that actually sounds quite nice. So we used some some resources for this. We did use some sauces as well. And sauces. Um, Thug Notes has a really good video on Grendel. Love him so I, much. I do love that notes. Um, Spark Notes, as as always, shout out to Spark Notes mm-hmm. and Wikipedia because I feel like cheating. Every once in a while, I don't feel like we cheat very often. No, not really. No, not terribly. Um, so our next book will be Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. I've actually never read this one. I'm black, so I've had no choice. It's like mandatory reading. I, I did not know. So I'm a little concerned about what my mandatory reading would be. Uh-huh. And let's not, this is dangerous. Let's move <laughs> on. <clears throat> so if you want to find us on social media, we're unfortunately required reading on Facebook. Unfortunately, RR on Twitter. Unfortunately, required on Instagram. And unfortunately, required reading.com. And if you have a funny story, a book you want to suggest for the podcast, if you want us to argue about something else in grammar, yes. email us at unfortunatelyrequiredreading at gmail.com. But before we go, where do we sort John Gardner? <sighs> Not putting him in Slytherin house. We have a lot of Slytherins. We have a lot of Slytherins. I feel like he's a Ravenclaw. Really? Yeah. I feel like... like I think he's too emotional for Ravenclaw. Really? Because I kind of feel like it's one of those no one understands me because I'm so smart. Oh, stop it. That's a Slytherin. Is it? Yes. No. Draco. No. This is nobody understands me because my daddy has power. I understand you. (laughs) It must have been love, but it's over now. (laughs) I'm really mad because I did that earlier when we were testing, too. Yes, you did. I'm sure you did. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and vote uh, Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw. Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw. Let us know, and we'll add him to the chart. Yep. Oh, Grendel. 
you came and you're mad because you're not listening. And he sent you away. No, podcast is over. I quit. (laughs) This is it. All right. Go read a book.